Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Before we get into today's show, I'm happy to say that this is Speaking Out's 200th episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening, and being inspired to go for your dreams. More is yet to come. Now, on to the show. More blind and visually impaired people are getting into photography. The Columbia newspaper reports that Gary Scott, a Vancouver, Washington photographer, retired photojournalist, and volunteer, has started a special photography program at the Washington State School for the Blind. The program provides the opportunity for blind and visually impaired students to listen, smell, and feel through their surroundings, working with adult volunteers to create photos matching their mind's eyes. To tell us how the students are taking pictures, Gary joins us. Also joining us is 16-year-old Misty Salborn, a photography program student, and her former sighted partner, Washington State School for the Blind, Residential Life Coordinator, Elisa Bohm. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Gary, let's learn about you first. You have amblyopia. What is amblyopia? Oh, boy. From what I best understand, it's where the muscle and the nerves don't communicate together. And I got it at age five and had an eye surgery. And uh, it's just uh, something you deal with. So. Something that I've accommodated by uh, wearing glasses and uh, just getting on with life. So your brain can't communicate with either one or both of your eyes? Well, let's put it this way. My depth perception and stereoscopic vision is minimized. So I predominantly look through my left eye. And uh, like when I take pictures, I just look closer. and. typically at things that people take advantage of every day. You look at shapes, colors, and things more acutely. But you, you acclimate and, and you know, get on with life. Get on with life. That's, that's a good philosophy. I, I also see out of, I also use one eye predominantly to my right eye, and I have very little depth perception as well. Now, you're a retired photojournalist, and you're currently a Vancouver, Washington-based photographer. How do you use your other senses, smell, hear, to take pictures? Well, like I mentioned, since you have one predominant eye, uh, you use that and uh, just... uh, acclimate to the world around you. In other words, um, you look at things more closely um, and having minimal uh, depth perception, you get closer uh, and experience things. Uh, It's just, it's like any handicapped. You realize that it's there, but you overcome it and you adjust. And uh, to me, it's second nature. I've always worn glasses since age of five and uh, I knew that I always had minimal depth perception, and uh, but you know, hey, you adjust and you get on with life. 
Tell us more about your former career as a photojournalist. What did you do and which paper did you work for? Well, uh, I was more than a photojournalist. I've been in, in fact, I celebrate 50 years as a photographer this year, starting in 1969 in high school, where a teacher who was a wedding photographer on the side taught me on professional equipment. Uh, in addition to shooting school publications, I got published regionally in uh, local newspapers. From there, I went in the service during the Vietnam era as a Navy combat photographer and went through their training. After the service, I um, went to college, uh, getting my bachelor's and master's. And while a graduate student, I taught photojournalism and then got on with a corporate world as a sales technical representative for Leica cameras and Fujifilm where I retired in 2005. And since then, have uh, donated my time via the Lions Club and the School for the Blind, helping kids uh, with this photography class. That's really good. Ms. Dean and Lisa, why don't you tell us about yourselves? You go ahead, Ms. Dean. So I am Misty Saulbaum. Um, so when I was born, I had cataracts, and so I got those removed. And then I've been able to see a little bit out of my left eye. And then when 2017 January hit, I ended up getting like really sick and I went blind. And now I've been blind for two years. And since the end of my eighth grade year, I've been loving this school to pieces. <laughs> okay, Elisa, your turn. Okay, hi, I'm Elisa Bohm, and I am blessed to have a wonderful husband and five beautiful kids. And this is my 11th year working at Washington School for the Blind in the residential department. Uh, Misty is one of the students in our cottage, so um, I would be considered her cottage parent, which is super fun. And I'm, I love my job. I'm happy to get to work with these students each day. Ms. D, how did you decide to get into photography? Well, I don't know. I just, I like, um, learning how to take pictures and I've like I've started beforehand recording videos with my stepfather when he was still around like there's two videos out there on YouTube somewhere or they were at least one is of me singing the Star Spangled Banner or at least trying to and the other was of me when I got my first guitar and I was making up a random song and so I decided to get into photography because I guess you can say I like working with cameras. Oh wow. That's great. That's great. Gary, 
You volunteered at the Washington State School for the Blind for almost a decade. You've taught in the school's photography program. What's the mission of the program? Well, my mission statement is to empower blind and visually impaired uh, kids with the ability to share with sighted people what's in their creative mind's eye. And I came up with this epiphany, as an epiphany actually, and through the Lions Club, who worked with the School for the Blind, I was able to do a prototype class in 2011, which worked out very well. And from then on, we've uh, done it about every year, year and a half or so. And uh, again, it's to give kids an opportunity to share more, uh, despite whatever visual disabilities they have. And it's worked out very well. And I'm amazed at the results that the kids do. Very creative. That's amazing. Um, Gary, how do you teach the students to take the pictures? So what I do is the technique is simple, very, very simple. They can't see or have visual impairment. I act as their eyes that they use. I'm right next to side by side with them. We go out and explore the world. I give them a basic grid format that replicates the back of a camera. Have them put their fingers and say, put inside this your mind's eye of what we're experiencing. We could go up to a gate. We could go up to a statue. We could go to a tree or whatever. They feel it, the rocks, the trees, or the ornamentation on the fence. And then I say, now let's place it and compose what you're feeling and hearing and sensing into this grid format I gave you, and they do that. Remember where I held you up to the statue, Misty, and you were feeling the statue and everything mm -hmm. outside? And we together come to a conclusion on how we compose and frame the image. I then take uh, what uh, we agree upon, compose it into the camera as far as composition, and then literally bring them around and put their finger on the shutter and let them take the picture. So it's basically associative photography. I have the eyes, they've got the experience, we relate and interpret together, I bring them around, they take the picture. So it's all theirs. So Misty, what have you taken pictures of? I've taken pictures of like, basically like branches laid out on the ground with pine cones in a certain array. I've taken pictures of like bumps on trees and I've taken pictures of ducks from far away or I think they were geese but some type of bird from far away and I've taken pictures of they're like just little round rails or something I don't know there's sort of a bike rail at one of the parks that were in circles, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was an ornamentation at a uh, park. Big metal spheres. Oh, that was a nice shot. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And you've had nice bridge pictures and river pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Restaurants inside. Oh, yeah, inside the restaurant. Yeah, we also took a picture of this nice little feast that they gave us uh, since we were there to take a picture of things that we found in there. Um, the 
the chefs were there and they're like, hey, do you want some bread pudding? And we're like, sure. Oh, yeah, she got fed well. <laughs> bread yeah, we got some good pictures of that. Yeah, she has a great picture of a, a napkin, a placement on a table with cutlery. And it's a close-up and it's just a very nice angle and lighting and everything. And Elisa was with her uh, when mm -hmm. that happened. Yeah. We also got a picture of their like little sign that's on the inside. And I had my cane leaning up against it. And there's like a reflection in the sign of my cane. Mm -hmm. That was an incredible photo. Yeah. And then we also found this weird pillar with like this door, but it didn't open. We didn't know what it was. After you take all the pictures, do you take them to, the, to a special darkroom or upload them on a computer? We uploaded them to a computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were all digital cameras. Uh, the kids give the uh, media cards, the SD cards to me, and then I go home and categorize them and uh, do post-production on the images. Plus, um, they do also give us uh, like little hard drives, but I don't know where my own went. <laughs> I had it in, so I have like this little sleeve on my backpack that's not a part of the sleeve that goes on your arm. It's like a little pouch for like sunglasses or something. I had it in there and I think it fell out somewhere. Oh, we'll get you another one. I'll get you one tomorrow. Oh, I just import them into my workstation at home and bring them into Photoshop and uh, do the color corrections and cropping and uh, then create different categories like for emails, for presentation, for enlargement pictures. Uh, and like Misty mentioned, what I do give each of the children are is every single picture they've taken that they can give to their parents. So when they're out of class or what have you and the parents want to make an enlargement for themselves, they can do that. So they have uh, a visual record of everything. That's pretty cool. I understand there are also adult volunteers that help the students. Tell us more about the adult volunteers and their roles. Oh, well, Elisa would be a prime example. They are doing exactly what I mentioned. They are the eyes of the students. Uh, they uh, work with the kids, take them around, um, they help interpret with each child, you know, if they're blind or visually impaired, they will help interpret the surroundings and then uh, put it in the back of the camera as far as composition, and then help the child put their finger on the shutter and take the picture. But they are, they're basically renting our eyes, using our eyes. It's just like, and we're just right next to them. Now, some students take the pictures take the pictures themselves, including 15-year-old Phoenix Rourke. How does he take pictures without a volunteer? Well, um, a lot of these children are independent. They have, uh, in fact, cell phones where they take pictures where they hold a lot closer due to their visual impairment. But they're pretty much autonomous and independent. I give them criteria, though. It's I don't let kids just go take pictures willy-nilly. I give them a creative assignment. I tell them all to put their thinking caps on before they take that picture and compose it. So 
I give them some challenging assignments and turn them loose. Maybe I should try to take some photos sometime. Yeah. With my cell phone and then bring it in and show them up. Oh, I'd love to see them. Gary, give us one example of a photography assignment that you've given the students. Well, for example, Phoenix, um, I said, give me some design elements, uh, shapes and designs. There's one picture he took, which was in, what did we call it now, Vancouver, that waterfront area. There's a waterfront uh, front area that has a lot of designs and sculptures and things. He took a picture of a sculpture that was leaning up to the sky, and in the middle of the sky, a plane was caught in the middle of it, which was really nice composition. So you had a great use of angles in the use of elements of the sky, things like that. Tell us about some of your adult volunteers and what they enjoy about the photography program. Well, I think they just enjoy, uh, Lisa will probably concur, that we love helping empower the ch uh, kids to share with us uh, their great creative skills. I mean, not only in their mind's eye, but just in general. And it's, you know, seeing the end result by helping them is just fabulous. The pictures, I'm, I can't overemphasize, the resulting images are not just amateur pictures. This is what I would put on par with advanced amateurs. It's really nice to go out with the students and you're describing, you know, whatever is around them. First, you describe it quite broadly and then they let you know what catches their attention and what they would like you to focus in on. And so with your descriptive words, you, you sort of zoom in to what they connect with and um, I'm, you know, I have full vision and what interests me visually is not the same as someone who is blind and what what I have described to them, they may be interested in something that I would not have thought of, I would have overlooked. And um, so it's, it is inspiring to us um, to zoom in and, and see those things that haven't caught our eyes before, even though here we are describing it for them. And so we have a lot of really great moments where new things are brought even to our eyes through them. Gary, how can our listeners learn more about the photography program? I would recommend uh, they go to um, the Washington State School for the Blind. And if they want to be specific, they can talk to the recreation coordinator, whose name is Adrian Fernandez. Her phone number, Pacific Standard Time, is area code 360-947-3290. And from there, we can uh, give them the information that they seek. That's great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to share with you. And uh, I would just say that this is an amazing what the kids produce it's 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 i'm still in awe of the great pictures they take gary misty and elisa i'm sure our listeners have been inspired by this discussion and will be taking pictures of the world around them thanks so much for joining us today
All right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program, listeners. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. we know the best choices to make? And when we look back over our lives, how do we know the choices that have most influenced us from who we have been to who we are today? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track. Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream. I'm Debbie Hazelton. Here is the schedule for Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. All times listed are in Eastern and Pacific. Monday, 4.30 a.m. and p.m. Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Friday, 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. Brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 
800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB 